When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Hoping we find you all in good form. Looking forward to the weekend. John Paul taking your calls at 1850 333 103. Text or WhatsApp 086 103. Text and WhatsApps already uh, coming into us. And Brexit seems to be on some people's minds, including Michael, who says, Patricia, hi, the perception of Brexit in the United Kingdom is mind blowing as they assume that it, it is just get out of the EU and sure, everything will be grand. Yet in Westminster, they don't seem to grasp the idea that they don't have a majority for anything. The Tories are torn apart. Labour is torn apart. So it, it appears that there will be a no-deal departure. They simply cannot stop themselves. The problem for all countries down the road will be when the United Kingdom will begin to revoke passports and people will be returned to their homeland. Then you will really begin to feel the true effect of Brexit. The majority of British people have no idea of the consequences of Brexit, not by a long shot. That sounds a a very worried Michael texting or WhatsApping 086 to uh, 103, 103 and there's lots and lots and lots in the papers today on Brexit as well, including one that I certainly hadn't heard of before and one that I imagine is going to cause a worry to holders of UK driving driver licence who have been driving around this country, some of them for many, many years on their UK driving licence and there's been this arrangement they haven't had to do anything about it, they haven't had to change their licence, their licence is recognised if they're stopped by a member of Ungartha, uh, Shia Kona it now seems according to the Road Safety Authority that UK driving licence holders will have to trade them in for an Irish equivalent because the RSA say the UK driving licence will become defunct in the event of a no-deal Brexit. So the RSA is now advising drivers to make arrangements to swap your passport and to try to do it before the 29th of March, which is the date, of course, that the UK is due to leave the European uh, Union. The RSA say that in the event of a no-deal Brexit, the driving licence of a UK licence holder living here in Ireland will not be recognised and the driver will not be able to continue driving here 
in Ireland on that particular uh, licence. So the National Drivers Licence Service, the NDLS, who, we, funny enough, we've been directing people to this week for people lost licences and somebody else had a change of an address on their licence. They're saying the advice to the UK driving licence holders is you should exchange your driving licence for an Irish licence but you need to get moving because you need to do it before the 29th of March at the moment. You're driving away. There isn't any problem. And but that's that is it seems it is all going to change. Uh, So you'll have it takes trying to see how long it takes. The average time to swap a UK licence for an Irish equivalent is about 17 days. And remember, you're only swapping. You don't have to go back and do a test or anything like that. So it takes about 17 days. Now, if there is a flood of people from the United Kingdom living here trying to exchange their driving licence. There could be a problem then. That 17 days may go out even longer. The other issue with the UK licences, the driving licence in in the United Kingdom, the majority of them are valid until the age of 60. Slightly different to the way we do it here, obviously, if you're exchanging a driving licence here, depending on your age, you'll get a 10-year passport or if you are over 60, you get it up to 65, isn't it? Then it's got to be renewed every three years. So there will be, you can foresee some problems uh, there for uh, people. So just, I'm flagging that up because it's coming out from the RSA, it's coming out from the National Driver's Licence Service. I suppose they're putting things in place in case nobody knows what's going to happen on the 29th of March. But, you know, we have to prepare that if there is a no deal Brexit, we have to prepare for things like this. And of course, last month, it also emerged that Irish motorists driving in the United Kingdom, which of course includes Northern Ireland, would have to arrange for a green card if Britain, if there is a no deal Brexit, the green card is required. It proves motorists are insured. When we were in the EU, you didn't need one of these uh, green cards. You were able to cross the border into Northern Ireland. You were able to drive around the United uh, Kingdom. But now you've got to get one of these green cards. Now, seemingly a number of the insurance companies are already issuing the green cards. There was a danger when this first got mooted that some insurance companies might use the issuing of the green cards as a way of making money and start charging for them. Now, I know I did some research on this last month because we got a call uh, questioning about it and from what I could find out last month insurance companies were just issuing them to people who requested them and other insurance companies were issuing to everyone when they got their new uh, in car insurance and I couldn't find anyone that was charging for them. That's not to say that that's not going to change but if you are a holder of a UK driver's licence the advice is get it changed over please to an Irish driver's licence. While that's the negative side of Brexit, there is a little bit of good news coming because this is something, again, that's worrying people. And this is people who go up north for the cataract bus on the, for the cross-border treatment. And we've got knows we know how many people have gone up from countless numbers of people have gone up from West Court. There was a bus, I think, just came back last weekend. There's another bus going this weekend. Anyway, it seems the patients from the Republic will still be able to get reimbursed for the hospital care that they get in Northern Ireland. And that is even if Britain crashes out of Brexit. Hospitals in both Northern Ireland and the rest of the United Kingdom will continue to be available post-Brexit to waiting list patients from here who are increasingly availing of the EU scheme which reimburses the cost of the cross-border treatment. The Health Minister um, 
Simon Harris, will today unveil proposed legislation which will aim to ensure hospitals in both regions can remain accessible to patients from the Republic who travel for operations and specialist care under that EU cross-border director. That's part of all. There's there's 17 pieces of of information going into this omnibus bill which the government are going to be we're already hearing about it on the news and uh, we'll be hearing more about that and that uh, legislation. This is the legislation that needs to be rushed through I mean, the planning is in place in case there is a no deal Brexit on the 29th of March and people had been worried the cataract bus, as we affectionately call it. I saw somebody else refer to it on the weekend as the blind bus. But people had been worried about that because that has been so successful. Though I know you've got to come up with the money first and you have to pay the hospital in Belfast. But then when you come back, you get reimbursed and there has been a little bit of delay on reimbursing the money. That's because so many people are availing of that facility. But if it's the difference between going blind and getting on a bus and going to Belfast to have your procedure done, I know certainly what I'd be doing, I'd be on that bus. I'd be crawling all the way to Belfast. Uh, so that's a little bit of good news coming out from Brexit. 1850 Coming up on the programme today, we are getting reaction to criticism that we've received on this programme to the installation of large fl- flower pots, big planter they're pots more than planters and that have been installed on the plaza area of Mallow. Uh, we've, we, we're, we're getting hard pushed to find anyone that likes them. Certainly from our listeners, any reaction we've had to date on it has been extremely negative. So some local councillors are joining us just to talk about the rationale behind these planters. And is it a case of, you know, Give them a chance. Let them settle in. Let us get used to seeing them. Let the council plant them up because people were saying it looked like there was weeds growing out of them. But I suppose we're kind of in the wrong season for a lot of colour to go into those large flower pots. But Margaret in Mallow has already been on to the programme uh, to say, Patricia, on the, plan- on the planters on the plaza, they won't last five minutes. Now, this is the, the plants that go into them won't last five minutes because the actual flower pots themselves. Believe me, they'll never be stolen. You can check our Facebook page John Paul went down and took some photographs of them uh, during the week. Anyway, Margaret reckons they won't last five minutes. People will be coming out of the pubs drunk and they'll pull the plants out and throw them all over the place. Margaret said she has seen the members of Mallow Tidy Towns trying to beautify the town on several occasions and their efforts have been spoilt by plants being broken, stolen or literally just torn out just for the sake of it and dropped on the ground by Egypts is the word Margaret uses coming out of pubs at late at night and that was one I hadn't uh, thought about um, I'm assuming the council will be investing in doing nice landscaping on the planter uh, into the flower uh, pots and yeah and it's in an area where there's a late night bar it's kind of a busy area of town there's a couple of fast food outlets where people congregate you know after having a few drinks you like to have the old fish and chips on on the way home so people have a tendency to congregate and yeah when people get drunk I don't know people who during the day without drink would be very reasonable normal people but they just get a few drinks into them and you know I'll use Margaret's word because it's a good word to use they just become like Egypts 1850 your thoughts and, and as I say would like to hear as well from people who perhaps welcome these flower pots and think they're nice pieces and you know give them a chance also coming up on the programme Town Kiltus 
We got word during the week that the members of Town Kyotus will be flying to Disneyland in Paris for St. Patrick's Day uh, this year. They've been selected to be, there's obviously a variety of, whenever, if you've ever been to Disney, they pick all the different themes and they'll have a St. Patrick's Day, you know, festivities and celebrations on St. Patrick's Day and around St. Patrick's Day. So obviously they need to get as much of an Irish flavour and an Irish feel to Disneyland in Paris. And who better than to bring over than to share Irish, a love of Irish music and tradition than a Kiltus group and Newcestown Kiltus have been selected. So we'll chat about that on the programme today. A motion by a councillor in West Cork not to erect political posters in certain areas for the upcoming local elections. Another one of those bugbears by a lot of people when it comes to, people see them as unsightly. People think it is adding to litter because some of the posters will fall down. Then you've got the added problem of the cable ties that they use. You know, the, they have to put up very secure cable ties in order to keep these posters, they're big, big posters, to keep them up on, on the poles in all kinds of weather conditions. And, you know, always after an election, we will get Tidy Towns groups contacting us and saying, Patricia, will you please put out on the radio and remind people who are taking down the posters to make sure that they cut the cable ties and that they pick up the cable ties and get rid of the cable ties because what happens is in many cases the cable ties are left behind or else they're cut and then they're just dropped on the ground and they cause all kinds of environmental problems because of course they are made of uh, plastic. So wouldn't it be great if we got rid of posters completely? Would you like to see an end to all of the political posters? Or do you think political posters play a role Have you ever voted for somebody based on the number of political posters that you've seen in the run-up to election? Or have you taken a look at somebody, you like the look of them on the poster and for that reason you give them your number one or give them a high vote 1850 Staying on rubbish, Mary has been on by WhatsApp uh, today morning Patricia on the issue of rubbish at Ballybeg in Bottevant it is becoming a right dump at the moment, it is a total disgrace. When you're driving into town into Bottevant you can see the rubbish so from Ballybeg heading into Bottevant what is wrong with these people says uh, Mary that does that area is really becoming a litter black spot we're going to catch up with Karen Penny Karen Penny is the lady from Wales that we spoke to last week she's on a fundraising walk a fundraising walk that's going to take her four years we've never before spoken to somebody who headed out on a fundraising walk who's going to be away for four years she is still in the Cork area so we promised we'd do a catch up with her I'm dying to see how she's getting on and how has she been treated and what does she make of the Cork people and I've been following her on Facebook and she's she seems to be getting a great reaction and of course she's down around the West Cork area and nicer people you couldn't meet she's heading into the Mism Peninsula today hoping to be on the park running Glengariff I think tomorrow so we'll speak with Karen a little bit later on but keep a look out for her on the roads it's not the best of days weather wise to be out uh, walking but she's out and about on the roads and of course she's doing it as a fundraiser for Alzheimer research and it is Friday so that means that Mark Malone will be joining us later on on the programme taking a look at what is on in the movies and just a quick shout out and the best of luck to everybody at Hurley's Centra in Mallow 
they are this morning hosting a coffee morning for the Mallow Daffodil Day Committee. It's going to start at half past 10, so in under 10 minutes. And the coffee morning will go on until 12 noon today. All support for the Irish Cancer Society is very much appreciated. So if you're in Mallow doing some shopping today, why not pop into Hurley's Centre, take part in that coffee morning with the money going to the Irish Cancer Society. Joan on Brexit and the driver's licence says, so what happens if somebody is living in the United Kingdom and coming here on holidays? Will they be able to drive? Yeah, absolutely. The only thing is they probably will have to get one of these green cards because if there is a no-deal Brexit Irish drivers driving in the United Kingdom or in Northern Ireland will have to arrange for a green card. Uh, a green card, it's, it's a requirement of motorists just to make sure it shows that they are insured. Your insurance companies issue them. So I'm assuming when English people will be coming over, people from the United Kingdom will be coming over to Ireland on holidays in order to prove that they have insurance, they'll have to get one of these green cards as well, which they will be able to get from their insurance uh, company. Uh, John in Clonakilty says, I think the reality now is really starting to bite when you hear about things as simple as the driving licence. It's small things like this though that are going to really affect so many people between the United Kingdom and people in Ireland. Tim in Formoy says the farming community big euro money maker in rural areas really going to be affected following Brexit particularly if the, if the UK crash out. Uh, the problems we will have with rural decline will be far worse than what we are experiencing at the moment. Many people will be leaving rural areas. Uh, the knock-on effect will be the closure of shops, pubs and so on. If you think rural decline is bad now, wait until you see after if if the Britain crashes out of a Brexit. And actually there was a really good primetime programme last night and it was came from Mitchellstown and it was sort of showing the effects on on the farming community, the beef sector, the dairy sector. They are the ones most at risk and the ones that will most suffer if Britain crash out of uh, Brexit. And then Con in Ballyvillan has an English old age pension. Will it be lost if there's a no deal Brexit? No, Con. I can categorically state that the government here in Ireland and the government in Britain have already guaranteed the continued payment of state pensions child benefit and other social welfare payments in the event of the United Kingdom crashing out of the EU without a deal. Thousands of people, you're not on your own, uh, live here, get pensions and other payments from Britain while Ireland, it works the other way, Ireland also pays people who now live in the United uh, Kingdom. There is a legally binding agreement and it's been signed by the two governments. It's estimated that around 133,000 people living here, mainly Irish citizens, are recipients of of pensions from the United Kingdom. The Irish government pays contributory pensions to 29,000 people living in Britain and of course child benefit payments have always flown um, over and back between the United uh, Kingdom. So that's been signed, sealed and delivered. It's a convention was signed at the start of the month to ensure the reciprocal nature of social welfare rights and entitlements and these rights currently exist under what is known as the common travel area. And that's what I thought. That's why I was surprised when I saw the piece in the, dri- the driver's licence because I thought maybe that, that something around the driving licence would exist under the common travel area, but it doesn't. But certainly for state pensions, it does. You are okay. Can I just, though, be put in a little word of caution there? If you have a private pension, 
a British private pension paid into your bank account. There could be some problems there because I know we touched on this last year when we were talking about Brexit, but it all seems so far away. God, little did we find ourselves with just a month to go and we're still in the same state we were in this time uh, last year. And it was flagged last year that people that have a private British pension, that they could be in a bit of bother getting the pension paid into an Irish bank account. And at the time, people were told that they would need to open a UK bank account in order to avoid the loss of payments. Now, I remember when we did a piece on this, it caused problems because people said, if you're living in Ireland, it isn't an easy thing to open up a UK bank account if you don't have an address in England. And that was causing problems for people. So we'll just flag that, that that still doesn't appear to have been sorted. But if you have a state pension from England, an English old, a British old age pension, like Archon in Ballyvalan, don't worry about it. You will continue to get paid even in the event of a no deal deal Brexit. John Paul takes your calls 1850 Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. We're going to take a break and we're back chatting with some uh, councillors responding to the criticism of the large flower pots on the plaza in Mallow. Laura Gelga, RC 103. <laughs> Near Emerse Rugger Gudigarevse, Shavlin Degdish. Gudishin, Vieg Iri Gahanva Age, Susnov Agusagolf. Octoresto Imertoskol, Near of Adoker, Akniak A, Mare Railtmore Rugger on Tucky. Dimmer Paul Marnosgrad Kugamun, Dera, Augusta Erin alone. August Kiapuk A Mar Captain Er on Tree Erin. Igura Kugamun, Dimmer Shade. Gawkade is a Octagor. August Dime Shig Shay Kuig Fuinta is Noka. Dimmer Shay Oskan Kade or Dera. Egg I'm Shig Gawskor is Kuig Fuinta. Solar Arig Shay Asangleha. Konian Paul Elimnok. Then a Van Kayla. August Rur Postoko. Is Trainali A. Anish. La Fern Rugger Naharan Fuifeha. Lake Moor Sport. La Blora Guelga is Mr. Donica Olanchig or Guelskult Mastavishma Anna. CKD Asa 3 Kirkig. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Now, we've had some very negative feedback to the installation of large flower pots at the plaza in Mallow, with many listeners questioning the decision to install such large objects in that area of Mallow Town. Uh, to give us their opinions, I'm joined by two North Cork councillors, John Paul O'Shea and uh, Gorod um, Murphy, uh, both uh, joining us. Good morning to you, um, gentlemen, and you're welcome to the programme. Um, Good morning. Uh, John Paul, can I start with you? Do you like them? Uh, Patricia, I've only seen them twice, but I think they're, um, I suppose, unusual. I suppose they're very big. We didn't, uh, I suppose, see that they would be that big, but um, I think they're nice, and I think they'll fit in well, and I think, um, I suppose, they're uh, unique to Mallow. They're not anywhere else around uh, North Cork. I believe there's some similar ones in Kerry and Killarney and Tralee, um, and they're in the towns. Um, But as I said, 
I'm not uh, pushy either way, whether they're uh, nice or not. I like to see them full and I like to see more colour in them um, uh, as the summer goes by because I think that was one of the I suppose, items that came from um, the Tidy Towns report and from the Tidy Towns committee that I suppose we would like to see more colour uh, in the public realm that is in Thomas Davis Plaza. And I suppose this is the, the start of that. And in fairness, when we contacted Cork County Council, they did say that it should be noted it will take a number of weeks for the planting to mature uh, and for the flowers to flower and it's anticipated they will bring colour to the plaza once everything is in bloom. Uh, Garode, what's your opinion? Are you, are, do you like the look of them? Well, I suppose, first of all, just to say I can understand people's concern. They are quite big and to be honest, when I first saw them, I was surprised at how big they are. Um, as John Paul said, I suppose we did have a brief presentation on the design at municipal district level, but it didn't have the scale and it certainly looked a lot smaller on paper than the end product seems to look now. At the same time, though, I would say it is a little early to fully judge the end product. They're not going to be left empty. Um, They are going to be planted, and I think they actually all have been planted at this stage. Um, There still is some planting of different coloured flowers to take place over the next few weeks, I've been told, and the the bulbs, which have already been planted, will still take another few weeks to bloom. So we really won't have the finished product to judge until early next summer. So I think it's a little premature, um, but I suppose, look, we're here to listen and bring people's concerns back. Um, But I I would like to be having this conversation maybe a few, two, three months down the line when we'd be able to judge the end product properly. And John Paul, who makes the decision on the style and the location of objects like this? Well, um, Patricia Cork County Council has their own architect um, uh, in place in the county hall. And uh, she would have come down and come down with some designs to us at municipal district level, like Gerard says. But I suppose um, that's the difference about having, um, I suppose, new public realm in all our towns. Is that I suppose we'd like to make it unique for uh, each town. I suppose if every public realm and every pot and every uh, plant was the same. Um, you know, it would be very monotonous to drive around County Cork and seeing all the the same types of planters, etc. And I, I, I noted your, um, I suppose, um, your introduction where you said at least they won't be, um, you know, robbed or taken away because they're so big. But like I think the reality is, I suppose, the plaza has been in place since 2014 and it has been constantly coming back to us that we need to do more with the plaza and to, I suppose, um, lighten it up in relation to um, uh, its colouring and in, in terms of its planting and stuff. And this is probably uh, the first part of that that we've um, progressed in the last that's, couple of weeks. That's what it's all about. Garode, any idea on the cost people want to know? Um, we don't really have a final figure to be honest with you. Will you, um, get, will you get a final figure? Yeah, but the council didn't give it to you in, when they got back to you, did they? No, no, no. No, no. I'm just, I'm just wondering as councillors, do, do you get to know how much it costs? We do, yeah. Of course we will uh, when, when it's complete. But... Um, as of now, you don't. Okay, and p- people were asking how was it paid. It, 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 the money came out of uh, Cork County Council were awarded funding of a half a million under the National Urban Regeneration and Development Fund. So, John Paul, yeah. that's where the money comes from. Uh, no, but it actually came from our Town Development Fund, which is an annual fund. Um, I suppose there's Cork County Council agreed to budget every year, and we agreed a budget back in 2014 that we would give €1 million Euros to, um, to a Town Development Fund. And that's divided up to all our towns uh, to enhance our towns. So that's given to the likes of the tidy towns. It's given to the likes of the other organisations in the town. And sometimes Cork County Council spends its own uh, money on items like uh, replacing like pets, for example. And uh, we have done a lot of that work in Mallow in the last number of weeks. 
and uh, I suppose that money for uh, the planting and the pots have come out of that fund. The 500,000 euros has just recently been announced, Patricia. Oh, right. that's separate. Yeah, and we just appointed consultants to come up with a design in relation to, I suppose, advancing our public realm of the town because there has been a lot of calls through a programme in relation to the footpaths in the main centre of the town and I suppose that work will, that money will go to that work uh, okay. in the coming months. Okay, can but what, well, go, out, go road, you can, yeah? Yeah, I have a motion coming up for the next municipal district meeting on the footpaths. Uh, like uh, John Paul said, a lot of people have been on to me about the footpaths. There's been a number of old people I know who've had falls there, so I'll be pushing for as much of that money to go into repair and upgrading of the footpaths in the town centre as possible. OK, now, the whole thing about these flower pots and the, the new planters and the seat in, in the plaza, it has raised the argument once again of the logic of the plaza day one and the traffic problems caused because of losing one lane of of uh, traffic. I'll just give you an example of some of the calls coming in this morning. Mary Amado says everything about the plaza is a super waste of money. No matter if there's pots or pans or anything on it, it will not improve it. Daniel Amado says from day one, it was a bad idea and a waste of money. That money could have been spent and should have been spent elsewhere. And Cathy Amado says get rid of the plaza and give us back our street to alleviate the traffic. Uh, To both of you, and I'll start with you, John Paul, you must be hearing that kind of criticism from constituents on a regular basis. Absolutely, Patricia, and I think uh, I'm on record in your programme uh, time and time again stating that I think the plaza came to Mallow too early. I think it was a town council decision that was made in 2012, 2013 uh, to build this plaza, and certainly towns like Mallow could do a public realm infrastructure, there's no doubt about that. We've done it already in Kinsale, we've done it already uh, in um, in kind of Kilty, and they have all been a great success, but I think, you know, the, the, the elephant in the room is the, is the um, construction of the Mallow Relief Road to take what's on the bottom of the town, which is the N72 traffic, which is going to to Mallow, from Mallow to Fermoy and Mitchestown and Dungarvan, is to take that traffic off the town. And unfortunately, I think the, the members of the town council at the time uh, took decision to build it. Unfortunately, there's only one member of the town council still there, Council Milan, who took that decision. Um, and uh, she's not available for interview this morning. But I must say, like, it, it wasn't a decision that we made, but certainly as councillors, myself and Garod, and all the other councillors that are based in the Truck Mallow Municipal District. Now, we can't decide to pull that back up, spend another million euro putting back in the second lane on the basis of the, the, the town uh, traffic and, and the opinions of the plaza. We must embrace this. And like all the organisations in town, I thought it was a very good um, post by Mallow Tidy Towns during the week uh, on Facebook, where it's like, there's a lot of commentary about the plaza, there's a lot of commentary about the bespoke furniture that's put into it, but the question that always everybody needs to ask is, what have I done, or what can I do to improve Mallow Town? And Mallow Teddy Towns are always looking for volunteers. Yeah, and they're they always, are a fantastic organisation. And they're always doing different types of planting, Patricia, every single weekend, every single Tuesday, every single Saturday, they meet religiously to go out and plant yep. different things, and we, we, we do owe them a great amount but of But somebody credit. was already on to us making the point, you know, complimenting Mallow Teddy Towns and the great work that they're doing doing and how they're always trying to beautify the town but that their efforts in the past have been spoiled by Egypt was the word that was used ripping up plants that the Mallow Tidy Towns group have put down and people are worried 
that that's what will happen with the planters in the, the, the flower pots. And it is misfortunate, Patricia, but Mallow is not alone in terms of that. We did, there is Egypt, as you say, that are a beast in every town and village. Um, that, you know, tidy towns or community councils or resident associations go out and do the very best they can in terms of improving their own areas. And as you say, Egypt come out and, and destroy it. But we should not prevent that from happening. Uh, we should not, I suppose, prevent that from advancing the town of Mallow uh, when it comes to us, because if that's the case, nothing would be done. Yeah, right. We, 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 can, we can't stop, we can't stop doing this. But we must encourage Patricia because we're coming to the regional Freezer Fest for the next couple of weeks. We have a big event with Mallow Tidy Towns, uh, the Get Fit, Pick Litter uh, campaign that you promoted uh, so well in the last number of years. We must in- encourage people to get involved in associations like Mallow Tidy Towns so we can all work collectively to put a positive uh, view on Mallow okay. Towns going forward. And, and Grow John in Mallow uh, says, well, you're putting these pots uh, in place, uh, but if you look around that general area is shabby. They need to paint and clean up the buildings around the plaza. Uh, the town doesn't look too well compared to other towns in the area. How do you respond to that, Gerald? Yeah, well, there's a, a town villages painting scheme available every year and uh, that was used to great success, actually, in other parts of uh, the Mallow Town Centre. Um, it's, it's available every year. It will most likely be available again this year. So it's something I definitely encourage the owners, uh, business owners, uh, property owners around that area take advantage of. I think it's up to 100% grant uh, this time. And just in relation to, I suppose, the planters and in general, you know, it did come from a positive place and it's our job and it's the council's job to bring as much positivity to the town of Mallow as possible. And I think, you know, the the half a million, without a doubt, from the the urban uh, renewal fund will definitely help us in kind of pushing a positive message and doing our best to make, as as John said, making the town centre as attractive as possible because ultimately that's our job at the end of the day. Okay, I've got to leave it there, uh, gentlemen. Thank you for that and uh, thank you both for joining us on the programme. Uh, good morning to you, uh, councillors John Paul O'Shea and Gorod uh, Murphy. And we did ask uh, Melissa Milan, Mallow based councillor Melissa Milan, uh, to join us, but uh, unfortunately she was unavailable uh, to join us uh, today. For C103 photos and more, follow us on Instagram at C103Cork. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 And apologies, I can see there's a number of other um, questions and comments came in for our two councillors, but unfortunately we didn't get to them all. Our, our apologies uh, for that. Uh, but somebody did say the flowers that will go into the, those large flower pots in the plaza will never be as nice as the flowers on Bowen's dry cleaners. It's the dry cleaners in the plaza and they do always do a fantastic job with their hanging baskets. Uh, so uh, well done. 1850 Now St. Patrick's weekend is said to be an exciting one for members of Town Cultus because the group will be travelling to France where they've been selected to perform at Disneyland in Paris as part of the 2019 St. Patrick's Day festivities. Joining me the PRO of Town Kyotas, Greta O'Connor-Buckley. Good morning to you, Greta. Hello, Patricia. Uh, How are you? I'm very well. Firstly, congratulations. This is a huge honour for the Town Kyotas. How was the group selected to perform at Disneyland in Paris? Right, well, <clears throat> have you got a week? Around <laughs> About a year ago, would you believe, before Patrick's Day 2018, our committee had been aware that there were performance opportunities in Disney for St. Patrick's Day 
just in a general way, but we had no idea how you'd go about actually getting there. So we discussed it at a meeting and our very dynamic branch secretary, Marina Deasy, decided she'd do a bit of digging and see what was involved. It turned out there was a video required. We had to send the video to Disney to their performing arts um, programme and submit it. They came back with questions. They wanted to see specifics about what our dancers could do, what our musicians could do. We had to send supplementary information, supplementary videos. Luckily, um, the previous summer, our branch of Colthus undertook to do sessions, like Session, it's called. It's like um, music nights for tourists down mm. in Kinsale and in Acton's Hotel. So we had videoed that, um, a full show, and we had that material, which was really, really valuable to us in our application to Disney. And it just showed the calibre of what our musicians and our dancers could do. And I think that's what swung it. Wow. We finally, we, we were over and back to them for a lot of the year last year. Finally, in July... Um, they they finally said, right, we're happy, you can do it. And we booked flights. <laughs> That's incredible. So there was an audition uh, uh, process. Now, how many members will travel and what age group? Right. Well, we have 42 people travelling. Um, just around 33 or four of them are under 18. The rest of us are over 18 and five of us won't be performing on stage. That's including me. I wouldn't subject people to that. Uh, But I'll be obviously working behind the scenes and supporting the musicians and the dancers and the singers. Um, We have a very, very vibrant youth section in our branch. So vibrant, in fact, that... They won an All-Ireland final in January, just gone, um, in a competition called Player of They went up to Cashel, uh, to Brewborough and Cashel, and they put on a half-hour show, and they came out with the cup. They won top prize in Ireland for it. They actually have, you'll see it, Patricia, if you go on uh, Facebook, Cork yeah. County Council posted a little clip from that show for us. And I'll tell you about that in a second. But if you wanted to see the type, the calibre of the show that these people can do, you'll see it there. Um, the reason Cork County Council posted it for us was because we had tentatively arranged a gig apart from the Disney gig in Paris for the Saturday of Patrick's weekend. But we only found out about two weeks ago that that gig had fallen through. So we thought it was such a pity to take a group of this size with the calibre of the musicians and like the over-18s will be playing music as well. We have some of our teachers who teach in our branch coming along with us. We have adult members of the branch going. But I suppose the big thing and the most unusual thing about it is how many young people we have aged between 13 and 18 who are capable of putting on such a, a show. fantastic show. I mean, uh, and and the, the, I imagine the excitement for for the for, particularly for the under eighteens. If, if I tell you that it's fever pitch, yeah. I mean it's just fever pitch. I would I, mean, I would believe that there is a there is a cost side to this though, funding it. Oh, there is, there is, there is, and I mean um, we. You know, when we looked at it first, we did think of like the expense for families and that particularly if there was more than one child from a family travelling, it would be no joke to actually try to cover the cost of it. Because, you know, in the same way that transitioners go on trips abroad and tours and things, you know, it could come out to anything like six six fifty a head. Yeah. Um, and that's without awful, pocket money. Yeah, that's an awful lot of money. So what we did was we put out, we, we set out a programme of fundraising and we've brought it down to under. It's about it's costing everybody about three fifty, well three fifty and four hundred a head, which is still a lot of money. 
but we've we've done performances that were paid for and we've done bag packing and we've done all sorts of bucket shaking <laughs> God yeah. only knows what else but I have to tell you the really really exciting news that we've had this week Patricia because it's just sending them into orbit all together this news we when when as I mentioned to you when we found out that our other gig in the Paris city centre area was after falling through our friends in the Cork County Council and in fairness to them they really came on board in the communications office they started getting online and putting out the message on their social media. Call out to all our friends in Paris. Is there any Irish group who would like to offer these young people an opportunity to perform as Patrick's, as part of the Patrick's Day festivities? Two days ago, we got a call from Paris. And like, the kids now are just up to high door about this. Wait till you hear this. On the Friday night of Patrick's weekend... Tourism Ireland Paris, which is actually the equivalent of Fault Ireland in Paris, they're partnering with an organisation that has a rollerblading get-together once a month on a Friday night, is what I understand, but a thousand rollerbladers get together and they rollerblade around no less than the Trocadero. Like, Google, Google it if you haven't seen it. It is absolutely stunning, stunning place where you view the Eiffel Tower from this amazing terraced park in the centre of Paris. So these rollerbladers are going to be around and the, the Irish tourism crowd are actually going to light up the rollerbladers in green. They're involved in the greening of various different landmarks in yeah. Paris, for St. Patrick's weekend, and this is one of their projects. So they've asked us, they've booked us to perform at the break. There's a break in the rollerblading to let them catch their breath and have a drink. And we're going to perform for 20 minutes at the Trocadero. My mm. goodness. What Now that's, that's something that the, the, the young people will remember for the rest of their lives. For the rest of their lives. And like, this is all down to Cork County Council's community. I mean, the network they have of twin towns and other municipal authorities in France clearly worked to our advantage. I, I Really, we are so grateful to them for helping us out. So how many, how, many, where to start. how many nights will you be away for? We're going on the Friday morning from Dublin yeah. and we'll be back very late Monday night into Dublin. So by the time we're getting the bus down from Dublin, I can tell you it's been... Exhausted. And your Disney, you your Disney show is what day? The Disney show is on St. Patrick's Day at 11.30 in the morning, on the Sunday morning. So, believe it or not, they squeeze the money out of you anyway. You have to have a pass for Disney for the day to get in to perform, believe it or not. So, we said we didn't want to be pulling them out of there after paying. You pay a nice bit to get in. Um, so, we're giving them the rest of that day in Disney. To let them enjoy um, the rides and go around and see. It yeah, uh, yeah. It's such an unusual place. Yeah. And, you know, some of them will never have been there and may never get there again. And we just decided, even though it would have probably been easier to get into a parade or get stuck in something on St. Patrick's Day, we decided we would try for something on the Friday night or the Saturday. And we have another very, very strong possibility that we'll have another performance on the Saturday, but it's not confirmed yet, so I won't say anything about it. But really, hats off to Cork County Council well, for pulling this off. Well done. And, so and, and, if, and if you do get a third gig, let us know. We'll be delighted to give it a mention. Listen, enjoy it. Um, I, because I might give you a buzz while I'm over That would be Patricia. terrific. That would be great. <laughs> that would be absolutely great. We would love to chat with you uh, yeah. when you're there. In the meantime, Gretchen, there is a fundraiser tomorrow, is there? Did I read about a fundraiser tomorrow? Yes, we're going to, in, in Marks and Spencer's 
in Merchants Quay. They very kindly allowed us to uh, put groups of our members. These are all people who are travelling to Disney. They'll be performing at intervals throughout the day, starting at 12 and finishing at 6. And then there'll be a few adults helping out with bagpacking if people want help with bagpacking. So we're we're just we're going to be there in the in the city centre. They'll be playing some music. If you want to come along and listen, we'd be, we'd love to. Okay, meet you. and you'll be back in Acton Hotel in Kinsale this summer, I believe. We sure will. Okay. Yes, uh, Sunday night. Sunday nights. Okay, listen, enjoy, Greta, and thank you so much for taking time out to talk to us today. My pleasure. Good okay. morning to you. Bye bye, Greta O'Connor Buckley. You can hear the excitement, can you not? Uh, in her voice, it is terrific, terrific uh, achievement for Newcastle uh, Kyoto's who will be flying the flag for Ireland in Disneyland in Paris and in the Trocadero in Paris over the St. Patrick's weekend. That is really terrific. Okay, John Paul is taking your calls. 1850-333-103. Somebody's looking for the superstar of the day. Whitney Houston, you're listening out for two songs by Whitney Houston when you hear the two songs back to back on the second, when the minute the second call, second song starts, you get dialing 1850-333-103 and you could win €500. Euro. It's part of your share of a €5,000 that we're giving away for the C103 Cash Tracks with Cavanaugh's, the new home of Ford in Mallow. For new and used cars, visit Cavanaugh's.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Seeing as we were talking about the great achievement for Nusistown Kyoltus and the fantastic musicians and singers and dancers that are members of Nusistown Kyoltus, we have similar track groups right across the city and uh, county who just perform the most amazing shows and they need to be supported and lo and behold after getting two text messages in about two different shows that are going on that I want to give a mention to there's a trad night at GAA complex in Carragoon in Mallow tomorrow night Saturday it starts at half past nine music singing storytelling and all are very welcome and the annual Kilshanik trad and folk group show is on the, also on this uh, Saturday night in Kilshanik Community Hall with doors opening at 7.45. Tickets will be available at the door with adults priced at €10 Euro and uh, old age pensioners €5 Euro and children get in free. All money is raised from tomorrow night's annual Kilshanik Trad and Folk Group show will go to the Mercy Kids and Teens uh, Appeal. You're asked to please support Kilshanik's local musicians. Okay, so there's two events on uh, tomorrow night if you are a fan of trad music. Now, a lot of reaction to our piece with Councillor John Paul O'Shea and Councillor Gorod Murphy talking about the flower pots that have been installed on the plaza in Mallow. Some of your thoughts coming in on this. Somebody says, Patricia, well, you have John Paul and Gorod on there. Uh, would you ever ask him whose idea was it to dig up the daffodils coming up to the roundabout in Mallow and put in a hedge in a stead? Unfortunately, they've gone off the line, but I'm sure they will tell us that it was obviously the gardening department or the landscaping department of Cork County Council. It certainly wouldn't have been the individual councillors themselves. A Douglas listener says, what about the awful red signs? saying spelling out Mallow on the roundabout. A Douglas listener is certainly not happy with that. Pat says, hi Patricia, the whole plaza design has nothing to do with landscaping, no link with Irish design. It would fit in in some European city and I'm sure someone from the council probably saw that on a foreign junket. As regards those ugly pots, God help us in Mallow with the non-creative people who decide what the people would like awful. Uh, says Pat, not happy at all 
about the flower pots and you, you sound like Pat you're not even willing to, to give it a chance I mean that's what the councillors are saying let them bed in pardon the pun and I know when, when the Cork County Council when we contacted them they did say it's going to take a number of weeks for the planting to mature and then we're going to you know you'll, you'll get a big pop and a splash of colour once it's in full bloom so maybe we'll go back and look at this again when the plants are in full bloom and maybe just maybe it might change people's opinions at on it. Also coming in on this and kind of tied in with the whole council and all of that, John says, Patricia, the roads around Gertrude are full of potholes. What are we paying road tax for? The council are letting us down big time, says John. And the inference there is that they can spend money on flower pots. Why not go out and fix the potholes around Gertrude? Uh, Heidi says, Patricia, you, you, when you were speaking to the councillors, they did say when you asked them how much do the flower pots and the flowers cost? They said that they didn't know. Surely they should know. Before handing the cost of any project, before handling the cost of any project, uh, that the councillors should know. It comes across almost like, well, it's not my money, so I don't know how much it costs. It's the same as the contracts for the children's hospital. It really has to uh, stop. That's where people start talking about things like this being a waste of money. The councillors should at least know how much it all costs. Somebody else is the lady, the girls are saying, what about the cross and drum a hand? It's disgraceful and needs to be badly done. If the council has money to spend, there's lots of people coming up with suggestions as to where the money should go instead. And certainly from what we are getting in today and have been getting in for the last week or so, people are saying if the council have any money to spend and John Paul Shea was saying there's a million uh, there and then Cork County Council have been awarded the half a million under the National Urban Regeneration and Development Fund and that's the funding stream that goes towards improving the public realm and streetscape in Mallow so they have a fund of money but people are saying to us if there's any money there there are other things that can be done with it instead OK some more of your texts coming in Hi Patricia could you ask whoever owns the horses in the Bally Ellis area to please feed them they appear to be starving oh god Thank you very much. If you think there's an animal welfare issue going on there, I would suggest that you immediately contact somebody like the ISPCA if you genuinely feel the horses are starving. Anyway, does anybody know who owns the horses in the Bally Ellis uh, area? If somebody, because sometimes we get reports in that the horses are in bad condition and the owner will contact us to say they're not. It's just somebody who doesn't understand horses. And I don't know if this is the case here, but a listener has gone to the effort to contact us because he or she feels that these animals are starving horses in the Bally Ellis uh, area. On the driving licence that we kicked off and that I mentioned at the top of the programme, and this is the notice that's coming from the RSA and they are saying to people if you are driving in this country and you are on a UK licence which you're quite entitled to do you didn't you can live and work and come on holidays here and drive around on your UK licence and if you stop by on Garda Siakona ask to show your licence your UK licence is valid the RSA are saying that's not going to be this, the case with an old deal Brexit and the Road Safety Authority and the National Drivers Licence Service, the NDLS, are advising people to swap their UK licence over to an Irish licence and do it ASAP, do it before the 29th of March, which is the date, if there is no deal Brexit, that Britain will crash out of the Europe and then God knows what's going to happen. And that following day, 
your UK licence may be defunct and of no use to you. So that's the advice that we're getting. Somebody says, what about an Irish person who had an Irish licence in this country, but it's expired because they're now living and working in England. They now have an English licence instead. But what if they decide to come home next year to live? Well, they have to redo their driving licence. Reading what is coming out from the RSA and the NDLS, I would say yes. At the moment, if they come back here to live, their UK licence at the moment is valid and it's fine. They don't need to do anything. But they're saying now with Brexit and the uncertainty around Brexit, what will happen is that after the 29th of March, on the 30th of March, the United Kingdom are no longer a part of the EU. So rules and regulations that apply across all EU states will now no no longer apply to the UK. So if somebody comes home after that date with the UK driver's licence, it's deemed a foreign driving licence. And yes, we know we've seen people come back from America. We've seen people come back from Australia, um, the Arab Emirates, countries outside of the EU. And it is one of the complaints that we get from emigrants who are returning home who would have driven, I mean I remember interviewing a couple of years ago somebody who had driven the streets of New York for 10 years and had got a driving licence while in New York came back home here to Ireland, thought they could just directly swap the licence, was told no, they had to go back on a provisional licence and of course with all the new rules and regulations around learner drivers, you got to get the learner permit you've got to do the theory test, you're going to have to do the 12 lessons, you can't apply for your driving test for six months. So yes, I'm reading between the lines from what the RSA are saying and the rush to tell people get your licence before the 29th, I would say yes that's exactly what they're saying, that you would go back to square one, you'd have to start there's a cost involved in it as well because of the 12 lessons, the mandatory 12 lessons that you have to take and you're not allowed to take a test until six months after you start that process so there will be cost implications there and I take it cost implications on your insurance because you go from having a full licence to suddenly having a a learner permit. And let's not forget on the learner permit you're going to have to have somebody sitting in the car with you as a qualified driver. Huge complications because they're particularly when you think of when when I was linking that in with the number of pensioners that live in this country from the United Kingdom, people who had either lived and worked in the United Kingdom or were entitled to an English pension. A lot of them would have come over with their driving licence. So there's a lot of people are going to be affected by this. We really are just starting to scratch at the surface as to what is going to happen if the United Kingdom crash out of uh, Europe. Somebody else is throwing a, a query in uh, saying, just making an, an inquiry there, please. If you hold a primary medical cert and you want to buy a second-hand car in Northern Ireland, will you still be able to claim the vehicle registration tax if Brexit goes ahead? There's a great question because I'm assuming at the moment you have a primary medical cert and you are able to go north and you are able to buy a car and you're able to claim back the VRT but with if there's a no deal Brexit, you will then be looking at the United Kingdom, of which Northern Ireland is a part of, being a different country. And I take it with a primary medical cert at the moment, you can't go to another country outside of the EU. I don't even know if you can go 
can you go to another EU country and buy a car and be able to claim the VRT or is there a special arrangement there could be a special arrangement with Northern Ireland it's one of those ones that we're going to have to wait and see but I would take some comfort from the fact that the government has already guaranteed the government of Ireland and the government of the United Kingdom have already guaranteed the continued payment of the the state pensions and they've also guaranteed the cross-border well, we were talking about the cross-border initiative for people going on the cataract buses. They've already guaranteed that. So perhaps, perhaps they'll also come out and talk about the primary medical cert to guarantee that people will be able to, t- to claim back the VRT. But as of now, I don't know. I simply don't know. And I wonder, does anybody know uh, the answer uh, to it? 1850-333-103. John Paul, taking your calls. C103 Jobs. First vacancy today, a part-time stylist is required. This is for a salon in Middleton, while a tractor driver is wanted for work in the Mallow area and a part-time healthcare assistant is wanted to work in uh, Cork, while a coach driver with a D licence is wanted for a school run in the Bandon area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Quick mention of a dementia information coffee morning that's happening tomorrow morning between 10am and 12 noon. It's in the Temperance Hall in Kinsale. Okay, that's a dementia information coffee morning. Temperance Hall in Kinsale tomorrow morning. Now with local and European elections due in May of this year, every poll around the country will be bedecked in political posters for the various candidates. There is always a mixed reaction to these posters and councillors in West Cork have taken a decision that I think a number of listeners will approve of. Joining me, Independent Councillor Danny Collins. Good morning to you, Danny. Good morning, uh, And you are welcome. You proposed a motion to ban these political posters. Is it just in certain areas or will it be all over West Cork? Well, what I was um, proposing to Cork County Council at our meeting, our Western meeting in Calicilty last Monday, was a ban on election posters um, inside the 50 kilometres speed zone in all towns and villages throughout, throughout the country. Basically, because why I was proposing this is you have um, tidy towns um, committees out there who are working tirelessly with great community, um, great volunteers and um, community scheme workers, and they're putting hours and hours of work into this. And a couple of tidy towns committee, um, committee members came to me and said, look, we're losing points when elections or referendums are up because posters are up inside the 50 kilometre zone. So basically, I called it last Monday, I called on this motion and uh, just fully backed by my fellow councillors. But um, at the moment, there is a legal right to direct um, election posters. And what I was told by the council in, um, executive was it couldn't make its own bylaws. So contradict um the, this, you know, this, um, these, these laws. So what we've done now, we've sent a letter to the Department of Environment to change these laws. So posters cannot be put up, put up inside the 50 kilometre zone. So it'll be almost like a voluntary code, will it? Well, at the moment, at the at the moment, I can't. Yeah, I can't see it being enforced at the moment by um, before this um, election election coming up or the, the European election. But basically, look what we're looking at here. 
the councillors have ever attended the meeting last uh, Monday have all agreed that they won't put up posters inside the 50 kilometre zone. So what I will be saying to tidy town committees is if they want, they should write to the rest of the candidates that are running, or all candidates, and ask them not to put them up inside the 50 kilometre zone. Could individual councillors that are members of a political party get onto their party as well? Because I'm thinking there's European elections. Yes, well, what you call that, that, that would be up to them to do that. But basically what, what happened last Monday was um, at, our, we, at our meeting, we agreed. The councillors that were sitting there at the time, said, each one of them said they wouldn't be putting them up. We have towns in, in West Cork already, Clannacilty and um, Ross Garbury, who, um, who have a ban of posters inside the 50 kilometres zone. And what I believe, these are being, this has been held well and much the people don't put on, up the posters inside the 50 kilometres zone. So, all the councillors were in favour. You couldn't find anybody against it. No, that's uh, great. We got, um, great, great response. But like, basically, I was happy with the response I got. Um, like, like I do know, like you know, you have some candidates out there who are well financially backed, and they can afford, you know, to dot posters all over the country. But like, this basically, like, really helps the, the tidy town committees. If the tidy, uh, like, in down in the criteria for, um, for the tidy towns. Um, Laws is um, approach roads towns carry um, inside a fifty kilometre zone that no poster our posters are fly posting up with they lose marks and they lose marks so there are fifty marks that are that are zoned for that. That seems very unfair on the tidy towns groups because they have no control over people putting up posters. Particularly, I mean, and tidy t- if if my memory serves me right, May is the prime month, isn't it for? Judging of tidy towns. Yes, but you got to so I mean, you know, it's not the tidy towns committee's fault if political posters have gone up. That's basically true, and so like basically this way, I I brought this um, motion forward, and like I was asked by two um, different um, tidy towns committees, could there anything be done? I I said to them, I'd bring the motion forward to the Cork County Council, and basically we we got um, full backing. Well done, well done, um, and it, and of course it's the cable ties as well. They can be a real blight on the. The countryside, the cable ties—they're very unsightly. I, I see it myself putting on like after elections or, or um, referendums. Like you'll see them hanging on the poles, yeah. even just drawn to the side of the road or whatever. But like you must also think, like uh, as well, there's a health and safety issue here as well. Basically, with, with posters on, on in towns, like you know, you know, our weather here, we could have bad weather, and basically. Flying posters flying off. You often see it on the side of the road. It's happened. Like it's you, happened. You, yeah, there's been a few near misses in cars as well. Yeah. Somebody driving along and a, a big poster gets blown off the top of the the, the the pole. Are they costly, Danny? By the way, from a candidate's yeah, point of view, um, a poster works out between ten and twelve, thirteen euros. I think. Well, I, gotta, I am doing my own pricing at the moment. I look. I will be putting up posters myself for the upcoming um, council election, but I won't be putting them up inside um, any towns or villages inside the 50 kilometre zone. And I, I, I hold that. But if anyone, just in case anyone does shift them inside these, I let me know right away and I'll make, make sure that they'll be taken down right away. Do you think that'll happen? Oh, don't worry. You'll always get someone out there trying try to, try to get you out, but still look, that's, that's life. Trying to cause trouble for you? Yeah, also basically, like you know, you 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 as you, got it, you 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 will like you know, there is people out there like you know you you see it every day, basically like you know what I mean. We have people out there at the moment like illegal dumping and like it's it's a disgrace all over our countryside and you know that's basically that's that that's that's life and 
I got a picture of there the other day of illegal dumping not too far out of Bantry here, and it's a disgrace to see. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know how people can, like, we have meaty sites, which I've been fighting for as well over the, over the um, the last two years. We have meaty sites, which are only open three days a week in West Cork, um, down in Castletown Bear and Skull and um, in, in Skibbereen. What, and basically what I'm trying to say here, these amenity sites are only open on Wednesdays, Fridays and Saturdays. What I'm looking for is that they be open Mondays after a weekend, like, because we, especially during the summer, we have a lot of um, tourists who are staying in guest houses and, um, and maybe caravans or whatnot around the um, West Cork area. And basically they have nowhere to uh, dump their rubbish because our amenity sites are closed. Yeah, I think we have to make it as easy as possible for people to stop the the dumping uh, going on, that's for sure. Just back to the posters, is there any evidence that they help actually help get somebody elected, having your face on a poster up a pole? Um, basically, uh, I've seen over the years, like, you know, people, I've heard people comment, oh, you don't have a lot of posters up, or some candidates don't have a lot of posters up, and... You know, you, I suppose, like, really and truly, you have to get your face out there, especially for new candidates. Sorry, but I'll take that up. But, um, like, you have to get your face up out there, and pe- people have to see, like, you know, it, it causes, you know, it, it's a bit of the atmosphere of the election as well. But I know, like, you have um, is it 30 days, I think, prior to put them up, and you have seven days afterwards to take them down. So, look, it's all part and parcel of it. But, like, what I, like, as I've stated already again, it's just, as long as they're not put up inside the 50 kilometres zone. Okay, some of the listeners' thoughts. John and Mallow said if they ban the posters from inside the 50 kilometre zone, all they will do is push more posters out into the countryside. Will that councillor who's talking to you, who's councillor Danny Collins in West Cork, will he come out and take down the posters in rural areas after the election is finished? All the cable ties are often left on poles, particularly in rural areas compared to towns. Well, any election I've been involved with with my brother, Michael Collins, CD, what we do every time when we, we put up our posters, we write down where each, where each poster puts, is put up. And like at any rural area, town, or outside any town and villages outside them, at crosses. And when we go back in seven days later to, to take them down, we mark off where each place we, we put up the poster. So you can account for all your posters afterwards. Yeah. James in Bantier says Ballymacquark Cross in North Cork is unreal with posters. They'll be up on pallets lying against the ditch. They should be banned everywhere. That junction is dangerous enough without adding election posters uh, to it. And Tygo Donovan of Formoy Tidy Towns contacted the programme that says in Formoy for over 25 years this has been in place. Exactly what, Danny, what Councillor Danny Collins is talking about. It's a voluntary code and the Tidy Towns right to Every single candidate going for election in a general election, local election, referendum and reminds them not to put any posters up in the uh, town. 95% of candidates obey the situation. And again, it is a voluntary quote, which, Danny, will be the same for you, certainly this time round. Yes, for this time round, I can't see it being passed this fast, but... Look, as I stated, um, the councillors that were at our meeting last Monday, myself, for certain, I won't be putting them up inside the okay. 50 kilometres zone, but I will be asking, saying to Tidy Towns, if they write to each one of the candidates, I would say all the candidates would listen. Well, I think a lot of people agreeing with you, a lot of people feeling we should just get rid of posters completely. Just while I have you on the line, was it bus number 25 arrived safely back from Belfast with a happy bunch of cataract patients I saw very, online? Very, very happy. Which, you know, it's, it's 
pity that we have to do this, but look, that's the way things are. Um, look, it's been very successful since we started last December, 12 months. And like, you know, it's, it's brought life and energy to people. Even I met a lady this morning, she, she turned around, a gentleman who went up there about two months ago. It was his second time up there. He got his two eyes done in the space of eight months. And she says he's a different man altogether. This man now is in his mid seventies, living uh-huh. in a rural area, and basically like he's a new man altogether. Like you know what it's I mean? Giving, it's given people their lives back in in many cases to lose your sight, thought of losing your sight. It's just yeah, doesn't it, bear uh, thinking about. And then right. uh, and then I, I I read in the papers today that the health minister Simon Harris is saying that that cross border initiative will remain in place. Well, I hope he's right, and it is good news. But um, basically, look. Um, I don't know. Do, do do our government know what's going to what's going to happen really when um, this hard Brexit, if this hard Brexit comes in? Like, I I'd be quite honest. I'd say they're just being told what what to do and what next to say and what not to do because by Europe and we we have no say in whatsoever about this. Last night I, I attended a meeting in the West Lodge Hotel, the Beef Plan Movement meeting, and we have farmers out there who are very worried, very worried. Like you know, over the hard Brexit. And, like, we must think, like, we have 250,000 tonnes of um, beef being um, exported to England every year. And this is a major worry for our farmers. And, basically, our departments of government are saying nothing and no one knows nothing. And, look, it's worrying times. I I hope Minister Harris is right. But I basically, I think this... this I, I Look, he's taught us a lot lately. And, basically... He, he was a lucky man to be still in, in as Minister of Health after um, two, or Tuesday's vote. OK, and I know beef farmers are particularly worried this week with what's come out from Britain, with Britain, you know, looking like they're going to favour Brazilian beef over uh, Irish beef, even though, you know, it would have to be said, has it been, are they using the threat, this is the UK government, are they using the threat of tariffs on Irish farmers uh, to try to get a more favourable deal? I mean, is a lot of it just scaremongering? Is a lot of it just threats? Well, we don't all like to tell it up. We, we no, uh, look, as I said, it's worrying times ahead. Yeah. Uh, everything, every department, like even we say our tourism, like, you know, like I've spoken to hoteliers who said that their English tourist um, um, bookings are way down. And if this comes in, it will just only suffer more. And like our hotels have suffered with the four and a half percent increase in VAT there in their last budget. And basically, look, it's just one hit after another to every industry throughout the and even then just some of the simple things like when we were mentioning this morning the RSA telling people if you have a UK driver's licence it will be defunct after the 29th of March so yep. you need to you know and these are they're just the small things mm-hmm. uh, reali- so reality is starting to bite I think that's for sure yep. alright and Danny is there is there another bus heading up this weekend there um, the, the, the week after next week after next yeah. alright okay but um, we do have um one thing I must um, say here is that I must congratulate could I congratulate Bantry Tidy Towns they are, they have been nominated for um, an All-Ireland um, or Tidy Towns competition which has been held in April this okay. takes in Northern Ireland and um, South of Ireland and it's been run by the Department of Rural and Community Development and and the Northern Ireland Meaty Council I think yes and um, this is a very prestigious um, nomination because it, it takes in it covers um, well, the the competition covers best villages, best small towns, best large towns, and best urban centres. And Bantry has been nominated under the best small towns competition, 
which is a very prestigious And anyone club. else from Cork? Are they the only ones? That's the only one. I've wow. Heard of, the only one in West Cork. And go I, on, I, Bantry. Yeah. Go on, major, Bantry. Major honour for Bantry. And again, like as I say, they have great volunteers and great community scheme workers. And this just shows what, 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 what happens after all these, like, great work they do. Okay, listen, we leave it there Danny, thank you for okay. that no and uh, thanks uh, for joining us on the programme, that is West Cork based councillor Danny Collins on that motion that was passed, asking the candidates not to put up posters within 50, within the 50 kilometre uh, speed zones of towns and villages, now that's West Cork ca- um, councillors have agreed to that uh, Tess says, hi Patricia, there should be no posters at all they shouldn't be put up anywhere for elections people don't look at them and they're unsightly, says uh, T- Tess and a caller from Tim League says, is Danny saying that he'll put up posters outside the 50k limit? Yes, that's exactly uh, what he said. Will that not cause drivers to take their eyes off the road while driving at 100 kilometres an hour? Posters on roads should be banned full stop. They are unsightly. They are dangerous for drivers to be reading and trying to work out what's on the posters. And that comes in from uh, a caller in the Timaleague area. Last week, I spoke with Karen Penny from Wales, who is on a four year walk around the coast of Ireland and the United Kingdom, hoping to raise £100,000 for Alzheimer research. Karen is heading along the Mizzen Peninsula this weekend and she join, rejoins us once again to update us on her journey. Good morning to you, Karen. Good morning, how are you? Oh, well, well, I'm very well, but it's a wet and a windy day where I am and I'm just wondering what's the weather like on the Mizzen Peninsula for you? Well, well, it's wet <laughs> and it's windy. It's actually not pouring with rain, it's that misty wet, you know, that sort of gets into all your clothing. Yeah. And, uh, it's like a little bit of a fog everywhere. Now, we last spoke as you were heading to Sexton's Caravan Park in Timaleague. How did you get on? Oh, wow, what lovely people. I mean... Margaret is just amazing. Um, you know, in her 70s, the energy she has is incredible. And the other thing, she can talk for Ireland. She is just the best talker ever. <laughs> it's been, it's been a, a real education keeping up with her, to be honest. <laughs> so you took... You we took, had a fantastic... You, you, so you, you took a bit of... Fantastic time. Yeah, and you had a bit of a break there for, for a night or two, did you? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Margaret and Con... Um, who owned the place, insisted I had a bit of a rest, but I hadn't, hadn't actually stopped at all in Ireland since I started. I've walked every day, and they took me into their own home and looked after me um, for the weekend. And then my husband came over um, from Wales on Sunday night, and they insisted on putting him up as well on Sunday too. So, you know, what lovely, kind people, and so sociable, and they introduced me to so many people. We went into um, Clonakilty on Friday evening, um, to the brewery pub and um, met the Clonakilty Voices, which is a choir, on their um, their evening out, their sing song out. And it was a very late night indeed, but I've I've learnt a lot of Irish songs. <laughs> you, can, you, <laughs> can't, you, you can't beat West West Cork hospitality, and you certainly can't beat West Cork people. Absolutely right. You know, it's just it's everywhere I've gone, people have bent over backwards to help me. You know. Um, Yesterday, I've, uh, I left Ballydehop and um, walking down towards Mizzenhead, and I was joined by a lovely chap, local chap called Jimmy Tobin, who, um, who walked around Ireland previously in about 2003. And he, he was lovely. It was really, really good company, telling me all about the area. And, you know, they say that, you know, walking with somebody eats up the miles, and it really yeah. did yesterday. He was, he was such a lovely company. And you welcome that, do you, along the way, if somebody wants to fall in and step beside you and... 
have a chat? Oh, ab- absolutely. As long as they don't mind, you know, me walking at snail's pace because of my, my rucksack and such like, um, you know, and, and they don't mind walking a little bit slower. I just, I just love it. I, lo- I love the company, um, you know, and you learn so much more about the area as well because, of course, you know, you know, these are local local people know everything, don't they? And that's the beauty yeah, of it. Yeah, and that, that's, that's what you need. Now, when I was talking to you, you, you did admit that the rucksack was a little bit on the heavy side and that you kind of, like all of us females, you had slightly overpacked. Com- completely overpacked. And the first thing I did when I saw my husband, I said, right, let's empty this rucksack. He said, oh, can't we do this tomorrow? I said, no, let's, let's do it now while I'm in the mood to do it. So I just, we just opened the rucksack up and I said, no, I haven't used that for a month. That's going. The cooker's going. The spare pair of socks is going. The extra top is going. I mean, it, for the pit, so many people have picked up my rucksack and just looked at me and just dropped it down again. So it's much more manageable now. I've lost at least four kilos out of it. Brilliant. And, you know, I was carrying a lot of food in there as well. And, you know, it's, 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 it's not like I'm not passing shops and things and, uh, and cafes, so you can easily eat en route. So it's going home. <laughs> All right. And, and Mark, Mark arrived in a camper van. Yes. He arrived in uh, the camper van on, um, on Sunday and Margaret and Con very kindly put him up for the night. And then he's been, well, we call it crewing, basically, where, you know, he supports me along the, the trip in the day. So, for example, he's now waiting for me at Mizzenhead okay. um, this morning. So when I, well, it'll be lunchtime before I get there. Um, so he's going to meet me there, grab a coffee. And that's quite nice because it just means that, you know, I don't have to carry so much weight in my rucksack. I don't have to carry my tent with me. I can leave that in the camper van. But he's going home Saturday now. Uh, so, um, you know, back up, back on my own now for the next sort of uh, and what's, and a half until he comes back. Yeah, that's the plan. Is it sort of every five, six weeks he'll hook up with you for, for a week or so? Yes, that's the plan. Um, to, to come out, every, every, I mean, it, it, it's a huge morale booster as well. Um, you know, it's, it, and, it, and he brings lovely messages from home and letters I've had had a whole pile of letters from people I know at home um, and little goodies and bits and pieces, you know, and it's, it's things like that which sort of um, sort of make you make you think that you haven't been forgotten at home and that people are still thinking about you because um, it's, it's all about meeting new friends here and I've got all my old friends at home and it's, uh, it's just such a, a, a very, very nice experience. Oh, and, and you're certainly um, making new friends and you're smashing the fundraising. Can you believe it? £25,000. I mean, that is just unbelievable. I mean, my, my target's £100,000 over a four-year period. So I thought, right, well, you know, if you average it out, that's 25000 a year. You know, and to do that in five and five and a half, six weeks, it's incredible. People are so generous. I mean, everywhere I go, you know, people are stopping me and saying, you know, we'd love to donate. You know, my mum's got Alzheimer's. I, you know, my, my father is really suffering. I can really relate to what you're doing. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's desperately needed. The, the funding is desperately needed for a breakthrough with Alzheimer's. So people are incredibly kind. Um, and they're kind, not in just in terms of donations, but also, you know, putting me up. Because that makes my journey so much easier. So when people take me in for the night or, or, or give me a meal and things, that is, that's donating as well. Because it helps me get around on this huge trip of mine. Yeah, have you had to stay in the tent much? Um, I've been really, really lucky because, um, you know, I've had to stay since I started. I've been about four or five nights in the tent altogether in Ireland. But certainly in the last 
couple of weeks, you know, obviously with, with shows such as yourself and social media, people have been offering, you know, me to stay places. And as I walk around and the news passes is that, you know, I'm now heading on to the Barra Peninsula when I leave here, you know, people are saying, well, you know, come stay with us or yeah. put your tent up. We've got a nice safe place to put your tent for the for the night, which is which is really you know so kind because that's that's the main thing. It's just you know being safe in the evenings and and putting the tent up is lovely, and and people are incredibly incredibly kind. You're going to have a massive Christmas card list by the end of this. You do know that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you really are, <laughs> and and you're also if, if if the walking isn't enough, John Paul tells me you're going on a park run tomorrow in Glengariff. Yes. I mean, can you believe it? Can I just explain? I'm not a runner, okay? My husband does run. I am not a runner. I'm part of the Lillesway Running Club and uh, very, very lovingly called the Cart Horse Team. You know, I'm always at the back of the pack. And, um, but, you know, Park Run. Is, is an amazing, it's a, it's a timed 5K event. You know, it's all over the world now. Yeah. And, it, and there's loads and loads of park runs in Ireland. And Park Run in the UK is supporting me. And basically, my aim is to try to get to as many park runs as I can on a, that coincides with me being in the area on a Saturday. And what I do is I walk at the back of the park run with the tail walker. Okay. And I put my rucksack on and, and I do a 5K walk. And it so happens that tomorrow... You know, we're, we're a stone's throw away from Glen... Um, Glengariff. Glengariff, I think yeah. it is. Yeah, Glengariff tomorrow. So it means that I'll be able to go there in the morning and uh, and do the first park run in Ireland, which is really exciting. Well done, well done. I've, so I've anyone, done park runs so far. Anyone <laughs> who's in Glengariff for the park run, keep a lookout for, for our, our Karen, as if you're not doing enough walking already, why not throw in a park run as well? Uh, well done. Exactly. So the, so the plan, you're heading to Mizzen. Where, where do you hope to be tonight? Yeah, so it's Mizzen, it's Mizzen, Mizzen to, Mizzen to, I've walked from um, Tor, oh, I forgot what it's called now, Tor, I'm staying outside Tor, to, Tor this morning, heading down to, to Mizzen and then back towards, um, oh, my, my geography's dreadful, Glenny, oh. Glengarriff? Glenny, it is. No, 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 no that's um, Glengarriff, is tomorrow. I'm trying to think now, just having a quick look at the map. Um, but you, of course, you've got to walk down to the Mizzen head and then come back up again. Yes, it yeah. is. I mean, it is. It's what, I mean, that's, that's, just, that's the only disadvantage of the peninsula. But, you know, everybody's been telling me how beautiful it is. And it is. It's absolutely stunning. Even in the fog and the mist, okay. it's still absolutely wonderful to be able to walk down here. So I'll walk back up. And then um, tomorrow, um, after the park run, I've been invited to a, a farmer's market as well, okay. um, which is really nice. And um, and then, you know, I'll be going there. And then the, the, uh, the Crookhaven Public House, um, tomorrow night has have, have asked me to go for a meal there, which is well, which is again so very very nice of them. And then on Sunday, um, I head then towards up the. Um, I always do my northeast southwest, never eat shredded wheat. So it's the west up okay. the west side of Peninsula, um, heading towards um, Bantry then and and Durris, Durris, and then towards Bantry and then down the the Bearer Peninsula. Which again, you know, is I'm really looking forward to, and I, I understand there's really quite a good trail around the Barrow Peninsula. Gorgeous, as well. it, it is absolutely gorgeous, and let's hope it stops raining so that you can really appreciate <laughs> the gorgeous views. And people can find out on uh, Karen has a really good Facebook page uh, called Karen Penny. The Penny rolls on walking in Britain and uh, Ireland. Uh, if people want to follow her, uh, listen, we'll hook, we'll catch up with you again. In the meantime, uh, enjoy your last uh, few days with your husband. 
point, Mark. And yes. uh, he'll be back to you before you know it. We'll, sh- we'll talk again, all right? You look after yourself. Thank you very much, Patricia. Okay, God bless. Bye-bye, bye-bye. The lovely Karen Penny. Keep a lookout for if you're out and about on the roads in West Cork. She'll certainly be with us for another few days uh, yet as she's on this amazing four-year walk. It's approximately 26,000 miles is what she is hoping to achieve. It is an incredible undertaking and doing it all for Alzheimer's research. And well done to everybody in West Cork who certainly have been helping her out and uh, along the way, which is the kindness of strangers. You can't beat it, that's for sure. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Bye-bye. 
Whitney Houston on C103. I want to dance with somebody. And before that, I will always love you. Two tracks back to back from Whitney Houston. Yes, Whitney Houston is our superstar of the day. John Paul has been answering the calls. <laughs> okay, Let's take a listen to see what number John thank Paul you, is thanks. at. C103, your caller 41. Okay, thank you. C103, your caller 42. All right, thanks. C103, your caller 43. All right, thank you. C103, your caller 44. Okay, I'm going to take it over. Thank you for that, John Paul. I'm going to take it over from uh, here. And let's see how we get on with this. Uh, This should be caller 45. Uh, C103, good afternoon. Hello. Hi, you're caller 45. Okay. Thank you. C103, good afternoon. Hi. It is, and you're calling number 46. Oh, my. Thank you for that. Bye-bye. C103, good afternoon. Hello. Hello. Yeah. What are you calling for? I'm from Kent Turk. I'm calling about the song. About Whitney Houston, and you're calling number 47. Oh, 47. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) C103, good afternoon. Hello, hi. Hi. I'm just ringing there about the cash track thing. Yes. Did yeah. you did you hear two Whitney Houston songs? I did. Yeah. And and you are caller number? I don't know. Forty eight. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for calling. C one oh three, good afternoon. Hi Patricia, you're going to tell me I'm caller forty nine now, are you? You are. Thank you. Bye bye. Okay, here we go. C103, good afternoon. Hello. Hi. Who's this? Kathleen O'Donovan. And where are you calling from, Kathleen? John Moore and Cannon Kilty. And why are you calling us? I'm ring- I heard the um, two songs back to back. Whitney Houston? Yeah. And do you, and you know what caller number you are? I hope I'm caller 50. You are caller 50. Hey, congratulations to you. You've just won for yourself 500 euro. Oh, fantastic. (laughs) And as I say to anyone, when they win money, you're to spend it on yourself. Oh, I will, I will. (laughs) Okay, I I want you to stay on the line because I need to put you you back out to John Paul who will take all the details from you. But congratulations, Kathleen O'Donovan, Dunmore in Clonakilty. Stay there, Kathleen. Uh, Well done. That is our winner for today on Cash Tracks. They were our two Whitney Houston songs. Whitney Houston was the superstar of the day. Uh, We're going to park it for the weekend. It's back with us though on Monday morning. So Monday morning at 8.15, Simon Murdoch will give you the superstar of the day. Make a note of who the superstar is and then at some stage throughout the day, just like I did there, two tracks from that artist is played back to back. You get dialing soon as the second, you hear the second song and if like Kathleen O'Donovan, Dunmore and Clonakilty, you are caller number 50, you will win 500 euro. We've got 5,000 euro in total to give away with the C103 cash tracks with Cavanaugh's, the new home for Ford in Mallow for new and used car sales. Visit Cavanaugh's.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
And just taking a quick look at some of the comments coming in that we didn't get to today on the programme. We were discussing the plaza in Mallow and in particular the new flower pots that have been erected there by the council. It's all uh, to do with landscaping and streetscapes and just making the area nicer and more colourful. And, you know, that's a big plan by Cork County Council. This is just happening in Mallow. This just happens to be part of their overall plan. But not everybody's happy because in particular it's the size of the pots that people are not happy with. Nora in Clonakilty said she listened with interest to Councillor Gerald Murphy saying that he was unaware of how big the size of the flower pots would be. They had looked at, at they must have looked at pictures or plans for it, but he didn't realise that they were going to be that big until they appeared on the plaza in Mallow. She said that kind of worries her that you would have an elected councillor saying, well, these plans were put before us. We thought they were OK. And then when they turn up in place, they're bigger than what they actually lo- looked at. She's kind of worried about that. These are people who make dis- uh, make decisions. And yet, you know, what they're shown is different to what actually turns up on the day that would worry her. And in Mallow says, only for the tidy towns in Mallow, the place would look far worse. It was suggested that some painting will be done around the town, but she said painting is no good in a town like Mallow. You've got buildings falling down. A lot more needs to be done than just a lick of uh, paint. 1850 There were some of the calls into John Paul. Somebody else on about, I don't know where this texture is coming from, just on the whole issue of the cost involved with these flower pots and the money that's spent on other similar kind of work like that, like landscaping and streetscaping and, you know, the council trying to make the areas nice places to live. I mean, that's the theory behind it all. A listener is saying, hang on now, Tick. What about the fact that we have homeless people and we have people on council housing lists? If they have any kind of money at all to spend, any kind of disposable money, it should all be ploughed into uh, housing. That's what should be done with the money, not buying fancy flower pots, says a texter. John is worried about his pension and says, Query, wonder can you help me, please? I took out a pension with Roy Liver in Mallow over 20 years ago. Now the Roy Liver are based in England will I have a problem getting my pension when the time uh, comes kind regards says John my gut instinct would say no looking at anything I've read about pensions but what I would suggest for anybody like that who has a direct query about an individual pension I'd contact them in advance just to to find out I don't think you will have but you know to give yourself peace of mind I would contact them uh, in case that they will foresee a problem and is there something you can do in the meantime so that it doesn't just happen when you do your pension to discover that something you should have done something but my instinct would tell me no from anything I've read Uh, but uh, check it out uh, yourself uh, John and just see just you know pop them an email or give them a call or write to them and see what you get back. Uh, Anne says, Query please, we Kent Station in Cork City. Is there a left luggage facility there as there doesn't seem to be anywhere else available in the city? Thanking you, says Anne. I was asking John Paul because he knows the city better and he knows Kent Station better than I do and he says off the top, he said he's certainly never seen a left luggage facility at Kent uh, Station but we'll throw it out to see. It could be, you know, 
you 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 only you only see a left luggage facility when you're looking for it when you need to leave a piece of luggage there for whatever reason and go off about your business. So has anybody ever been at Kent Station where you needed to leave luggage for a day for a few hours whatever it is? Do you know does such a facility exist in Kent Station in Cork? And if there isn't a facility in the station in Cork, is there a facility anywhere else in Cork? that could help out um, and she needs to leave some luggage if you can help us on that one please 1850 at 333-103 there's a story that I just want to give a quick mention to it's making the front page of the Irish Independent today and it really really shows what a two-tiered health system we have in this country and if you have money or you have private health insurance you're going to be okay but if you don't have private health insurance and you don't have the money to pay for treatment and you're waiting on languishing on a waiting list and what if it's cancer and you know what stage will the cancer be at by the time you get called it's it's just shocking it's the story of a woman 38 year old woman by the name of Angela Dobbs Gordon and she has just completed her treatment for breast cancer And while she's getting over that and coming to terms with that, and you can imagine all the mental anguish that goes with the treatment with the breast uh, cancer. And would you believe this week, as she's getting over her treatment, she received a letter from the hospital asking her, uh, how it's phrased, asking her, did she still want to be on the list? I think was was what it was. She it was it, ten months after she paid for the private treatment. This uh, letter arrived. She reckons she would be dead if she hadn't taken matters into her own hands. She discovered a lump. She went to her GP. That was back in April of 2018. So April of last year, she went and they were saying, "Okay, you go on the list. You'll get a call." Blah, blah, blah. She was waiting on a call. She just couldn't wait any longer. So she decided a few weeks after that that she would do something. She would take matters into her own hand as hands. So she went away and she got a private consultation. She got an ultrasound. She got a mammogram. She was subsequently diagnosed with cancer. She underwent an operation. She had to have chemotherapy and radiotherapy. And she's now at the stage of the end of all of her treatment And uh, please God, she'll get the all clear and to tell her that she's cancer free. And then lo and behold, this week she receives a letter asking her if she still needed to attend her initial outpatient consultation. So the letter wasn't coming to say to her, we have an appointment for you. They just want to know, do you still want that outpatient consultation? Now, it did add, the letter did say that we regret it has not been possible to provide you with an appointment date as of yet. They do apologise for that, but they just want to know, do you want to still stay on the list, the waiting list to get an appointment? They're still not giving her an outpatient appointment. She said she felt physically sick, she said she nearly got sick when the letter arrived and now she's kind of sitting back and thinking about it and said she could be dead or the cancer could have spread to other areas if she had to totally rely on the public health system. Uh, so she's decided to speak out and she's uh, she spoke out to the independent.ie to go through exactly what has unfolded and she went through you know, her cancer journey from when she first got the lump, going to her doctor, Doctor sending a referral letter to the University Hospital in Waterford to arrange an, an, an appointment 
at the breast care uh, department who obviously the doctor would have said I'm feeling a lump there's a lump there she was expecting to get uh, an appointment she said after days of hearing nothing she phoned the hospital was told the earliest appointment this was back in April of last year the earliest appointment would have been May the 23rd no guarantee of that she said that Friday she completely lost the head googled breast cancer and when she did she got a number of a doctor in Dublin came up in the search she rang she spoke to that doctor the doctor said asked for a referral letter she rang for the appointment she it was the Hermitage Medical Clinic was where she went private hospital she paid €100 Euro to see this uh, doctor and um, she then got a, a confirmation well she went on to have an ultrasound and a mammogram but she then got the confirmation that she had cancer by the way the ultrasound and the mammogram cost her €350 Euro. she did say she had to she borrowed that money but she got it and it was worth getting it she then the tumour had grown to 5 centimetres at that stage and she was informed she would need a biopsy. That was €1,200. Uh, she said, I would have needed a loan to pay for it, but she managed to get back money. Uh, she managed to get back into the public system and attended St. James's Hospital in Dublin. She ended up losing her hair, losing her eyebrows, obviously through all the chemo and all of that. But she's out the other side. But it's just galling, she said. She would still be sitting at home waiting for the initial appointment. And if the tumour had already gone to five centimetres you know, what size would the tumour be now? And now, even now, she still wouldn't even have an appointment because they they were just trying to find out, do you want to stay on the list? And then apologising that we can't give you an appointment date. And every single interview that I've done over the years with cancer, be it with the Irish Cancer Society or with various doctors and clinicians and professors and cancer specialists, you know, they do regular awareness weeks trying to tell people you know to be aware of the symptoms and to go and get help every single interview we do we talk about don't ignore your symptoms go to your doctor we talk about early intervention we talk about the earlier the intervention the better the prognosis the better your outcome we've heard from doctors who say you know they get to patients and it's too late and if only they'd come sooner and here's you know a young woman, she's a mother uh, as far as a mother of three, young 38 year old mother of three, being very proactive obviously doing her breast checks which all women are told to do discovers a lump, doesn't bury her head in the sand which you know other people have done bless their hearts because they don't want to face up to it she didn't, you know she's a mother of three children she wants to be around for her husband and her three children so she goes to the doctor and expects a procedure to fall in place so that she can go in and it can be either ruled in or ruled out. Yes, you have cancer. No, you don't have cancer because, you know, as we know, in lots of lots of cases, a lump in the breast might only be a benign cyst. It may be nothing. But when it's in your body and what's going through your head is this lump and is this lump getting bigger? And obviously, don't you know, on a daily basis, God knows how many times a day, She's feeling that lump in her mind. It's getting bigger and bigger to the point that she, I'd say she thought she was going mad. So she decided to do something about it, but ended up being forced to go private. But it's just, when I read it this morning, I just said, my God, if this is not a two-tiered health system where people are dying, waiting to get in, to be seen. And we know we have waiting lists. We have waiting lists for outpatients. And then we've once you get a diagnosis, there's a waiting list to get on the next list to get in. Now, I know that doesn't always happen uh, with cancer. And everybody says once you get into the system and once you get the diagnosis, 
our system and our treatment is very good but it is the wait to get in. Do you remember Susie Long? We all remember uh, Susie Long and the story she told with her colon cancer and how she sat in a waiting room with somebody and she had to wait and she was speaking with somebody after she had her diagnosis who had private health care that person lived and Susie Long died because she was put on a waiting list to get the initial diagnosis even though she knew in her heart and soul that she had cancer and by the time she got her diagnosis it uh, was uh, too late. Uh, 1850-333-103 lines are open John Paul taking your calls you can text our uh, WhatsApp on 86 103 and thank you to somebody who says there is a left luggage place in Washington Street at the Paddy Wagon I think it's called there was a place in Parnell Street but I don't think it's there anymore but there definitely is a left luggage place in Washington Street thank you for that um, and hopefully that will be of help to our listener who is looking to leave lost luggage somewhere. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. She doesn't want to leave lost luggage, she wants to leave her luggage somewhere safe. A two-day workshop for Wellness Recovery Action Plan taking place in the Christian Fellowship Church in Bantry. It is on today and tomorrow. Free work Workshops to book a place call Mary at 087 633 Community Development are holding their fundraising Kaylee. That's on tonight in the Marion Hall. Dancing is to Jer Murphy from 9.45pm and teas will be served. An illustrated lecture and picture show by Mr Richard Wood will be held in the Heritage Room of the Independent Museum in Kilmurray. That's tonight at 8. Bingo is on every Friday night, half past 8 in Kildallery Parish Hall. Clyde Rover's Lotto Draw taking place tonight in Derry Murphy's Bar in Ballinamona. Tickets are available from Jerry O'Donoghue and from all of the committee members. And you are invited to enjoy a beautiful evening with music and afternoon tea in Longueville House in Mallow tomorrow Saturday between 2 and 4.30. It's a fundraiser for the Irish Kidney Association Renal Support House in Cork. Tickets are €35, Euro, available from Catherine at 87 And a bake sale and coffee morning in aid of the ASD classes at Clonakilty Gwellscott will take place at the Clonakilty Parish Centre on the Western Road opposite Centre this Sunday from 9am to 1pm. Donations of baking, raffle prizes etc. will be really welcome and can be dropped into the Parish Centre tomorrow evening between half five and half six are indeed on Sunday morning between 8am and 9.30am. Hi, Martina here. Join me every weekday from four to seven for Drive Time where I'll keep you up to date on all the latest traffic information. We'll spread some positivity with our feel-good story and song of the day and of course we'll be serving up a generous portion of Cork's greatest hits. C103. We turn our attention to the movies. Mark Malone joins me. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. You went to the movies to see Can You Ever Forgive Me? That's in the movies and Small Foot on DVD. Let's take a quick trailer from Can You Ever Forgive Me? Can you keep a secret? I just lost my job, but I figured out a way to pay my bills. I'm embellishing collectible letters. How does 875 sound? I'll drink to that. <laughs> Dearest Rob, dear friend, Jermaine, you gave me a thousand dollars. You sure these are the real thing? Everybody's on high alert. There have been some forgeries going around. We can't stop now. 
Lee Israel, can you ever forgive me? Now, straight away, when I see and hear Melissa McCarthy, I'm a huge fan of Melissa McCarthy. Yes, this is Melissa McCarthy. This isn't sweary, kind of loud. No, she does swear in the movie, and yeah. uh, she's not a very likable character in this, but it's not really loud, kind of comedic, kind of. Um, oh, okay. Um, it's different, Melissa, Melissa McCarthy. McCarthy, then. Yeah, it's the Melissa McCarthy that. I mean, people say that this uh, performance is a revelation, but uh, we've seen this before. I mean, we have seen the kind of softer side to her. I mean, she made a film called Tammy a couple of years ago where, again, oh, yeah. she yeah. was really loud, and, you know, sometimes, yeah, and, you know, and uh, we've seen her in all different, doing all different kinds of performances. And uh, here it's more kind of um, uh, more restrained, and um, but a very very good performance. She has been nominated for an Academy Award for this, and I'm glad she's a she great actress. Been. She's a fabulous actress, yeah. and I, I think she's like a lot of comedians. A lot of comedians can make you cry, you know. A lot of actors can't make you laugh. Robin Williams was the perfect example of that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I saw something with Norman Wisdom once where he cried for, it was like a drama. He yeah. cried for like, you know, two and a half hours. It was extraordinary, you know? Yeah. And uh, comedians, That's a good point you make. Comedians can do it, but it isn't always... They have this extra gene, you yeah. see, so that they can make you laugh and they can make you cry. But a lot of, a lot of actors can't make you laugh. That's true. Do, you know what That's I mean? A, a lot point. of great actors can't. Yeah. So, the, yeah. so they have this kind of little extra kind of talent gene that uh, a lot of people don't have. And here, she'll make you cry, she will make you laugh, and you will enjoy her Company, even though she's not the nicest of people. She plays this character called Lee Israel, who used to be around in the 80s. She was um, a writer and she used to write kind of biographies of the likes of uh, Catherine Hepburn and Tallulah Bankhead. And she's writing on a a biography of uh, the comedian Fanny Bryce and she goes to her um, her agent uh, who isn't returning her phone calls she, she pretends to be Nora Ephron on the phone <laughs> to get through to her agent by the way and actually in real life Nora Ephron apparently brought a, took out a, a cease and desist order to stop her from impersonating her on, on the phone oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly so this is based on a true story by the way okay. so, so when she finally gets to uh, see her agent her agent says look nobody's interested in Fanny Bryce I'm not going to be able to sell that you know your persona non grata now nobody's buying her books so she's pretty much destitute she has no money so when she is invited to a party uh, by her um, uh, her agent she even steals the toilet paper from the cupboard oh, you know what I mean right. I mean that's how bad things are yeah. and once she's um, in the library and she's doing some research on Fanny Bryce uh, she finds a, a biography of Fanny Bryce and she opens the book and she sees a letter written by Fanny Bryce and she thinks oh this is kind of interesting so she nicks it so she steals it and then she goes uh, into a dealer and says look can I sell this and they go yeah yeah we'll give you $75 for this they said it's not the sexiest of letters you know I mean I mean, if it was a little bit more interesting, we could give you more money for it. So she gets the idea. What she decides, she decides to... Um, start forging letters. She starts forging letters of the likes of the, a lot of the kind of uh, the great satirists of the like the thirties and forties. You know, people like uh, Dorothy Parker and and Noel Coward. She even forges his signature, for example, and writes these letters because she's a very very good writer. So she adopts the characters of these people. She goes and buys really really old typewriters, which they would have used at the time. Really old parchment kind of letters that they would have used as well. And you know, she knows so many. She's written and read all the uh, the books that these people have uh, have uh, released in the past. So she knows exactly. She gets in their kind of... Gets into their mind frame. Exactly. And so of course, these are people who are all dead. They're all dead. Yeah. So that can't be proven. And yeah. even a lot of the experts can't do it. At one stage, somebody tries to sell her one of her forged letters, for example, <laughs> for like $4,000. And they're going, uh, oh. Dorothy, Dorothy Parker, wasn't she a, a brilliant writer? And she's going... Ah, yeah, yeah, she is, yeah, you know. And um, so it's based on the true story. And it is quite kind of sad at times, but it is quite uh, funny also at times as well. Of course, at some stage, the FBI do get involved. She does, yeah. And they, they, you know, throughout all of this, by the way, she's quite a lonely person. She lives with a cat. The cat seems to be the only thing that she loves and and loves her. Uh, But she does meet up with uh, a character called Jack Hawk, um, played by Richard E. Grant, who's this kind of big, big personality. And uh, we don't really get to know too much about him because neither does she, you know, 
is he homeless or you know or or, or, or who is he? He pretends to be a writer, uh, but he is this huge personality. And um, but they spend most of their time kind of drinking together. And uh, she then at some stage persuades him uh, to help her uh, sell um, a lot of these kind of forged uh, letters. The film is utterly, utterly wonderful. And I'm not surprised that Melissa McCarthy and Richard Grant both have been nominated for Oscars. She is uh, Best Actress, I think, and he as uh, Best Supporting Actor. I think the screenplay has also been um, nominated as well. I wish the director, Marielle Heller, had been um, uh, nominated as well because it is beautifully directed. It really is the pace and the, the whole way in which the actors kind of work on this is incredible script is, is absolutely wonderful. When Melissa McCarthy and uh, Richard Grant are on uh, screen together, I mean, it is electrifying. I mean, there's a scene the end, which is the big Oscar nomination scene, and they are just wonderful, and you do cry watching these extraordinary actors. And it wasn't meant to be them because two days before they were meant to start filming, it was meant to be Chris O'Dowd and Julianne Moore, uh, but uh, due to creative differences, um, they were just moved out of the way. Although Chris O'Dowd says they were different, they weren't my differences, but he lost his job, and which then at the very very last moment actually went to Richard E. Grant. Would uh, Chris O'Dowd have worked? You see, this is it. I mean, I think Chris O'Dowd is a, is a terrific actor. We don't know. You don't know. I mean, it's yeah. it's easy to watch this and go, I can't see anybody else in these yeah, roles yeah, because yeah. they are. Well, Julianne, especially when they do it so well. Exactly. And Julianne yeah. Moore is a brilliant actor, actress as well. So, you know, it, it makes you think, well, it could have been really, really good, but maybe not. But at the moment, you know, you've got these two brilliant actors. Richard E. Grant, of course, has been turning up at all of the awards, uh, you know, um, ceremonies and just having the best time is of his it? life. Is he's it? Yeah. taking selfies, you know, and everybody's yeah. talking about how he's really, really enjoying it. He is very much in with Nail and I character here. It's very similar to that character, this yeah. kind of alcoholic, kind of, um, kind of uh, failed actor. And um, there's lots of references to with Nail and I this as well. For example, he says words like chin chin and I have, I have two double whiskeys and all this kind of stuff. And as a, as a with Nail and I fan, of course, it's exciting to see him yeah. just enjoying it. And, yeah. and because his, his film career has been up and down over the years and it's great to see him and uh, Melissa McCarthy together in this. It is utterly, utterly wonderful and I, I loved every single moment of it and I think you will too. Okay, and it's at the movies at the moment. Can you ever forgive me? Mark it out of 10? I can't fault it. I, I 10 out of 10? I have to. Hey, hey. There's, there's nothing I didn't like about well it. Well done, well done. Okay, and then your DVD is uh, Other End of the Scale Animation, Small Foot. Yeah, um, uh, this is made by Warner Brothers Animation, who are kind of the kind of little brother of uh, Pixar and Disney. You know, I mean, they've always been trying to kind of catch up, but they've never yeah. really kind of been that as good as them. They have done some very, very good animated films over the years, and you have to give them that. But um, I think they're always looking over the fence at Pixar and uh, animation. Uh, and do they uh, work on smaller budgets then as well? Not necessarily no? so, no, but okay. they, they just tend not to be as good. And this is a very, very good example of, of something that if it was made by Disney animation or if it was made by Pixar, I, I both are, are owned by Disney. I think they would it would have been better. It is directed and written by Kerry uh, Kirkpatrick, who did make Over the Hedge, which was a film I really oh, liked very much. Oh, I like. I saw that. I loved that yeah, film, you know. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, this is a man who knows his animation. He knows uh, how to make a, um, a pretty good animated film. You know, it's it's the story is kind of turned on its head instead of Bigfoot. A Yeti or an abandoned snowman. Yeah, uh, this small is Smallfoot. Foot. So yeah. basically, you know, we are um, we are introduced to a tribe of Yeti, and they live way up on the top of uh, the this mountain range and they don't believe humans exist <laughs> so it's kind of turned the other way around does small foot exist do humans exist because they're told that nothing exists below the cloud line and uh, one day Channing Tatum plays this character of Migo and um, he finds himself outside of the village and then he notices this plane coming uh, over which crashes and uh, in this plane is a character by the name of Percy played by James Corden uh, who is of course a small foot but when he goes back to his village he's 
told, no, you're, it's, it, 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 you're, you're wrong, you're lying, because uh, Smallfoot and humans don't exist. So that's what the film is basically all about. It's very interesting. It's a kid's film. Uh, but basically... That's clever, film, though, flipping the whole Bigfoot on its head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what made me laugh initially. But, you know, it's, it's basically about fake news. You know, it's very yeah. topical. It's about don't believe everything you read or hear. You know, make your own judgment, which might be a little bit kind of deep for, for, for kids. But, of mm. course, kids that will go over that. their heads. But that the, will go the over their parents heads. will appreciate that. Yeah, the other thing I think where Pixar and, um, and Disney tend to get it right is that they tend to put a lot of jokes in for, for adults. Here they actually don't. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. So I think they're very much, I think, uh, 10, 11 below, I think will enjoy. They'll enjoy watching the Yetis. They'll enjoy watching the, uh, the, the, the animation, which, of course, is extraordinary. I mean, it, it really is. You get the impression, though, that they had a pretty bad script, and so they decided to put songs in at the last minute because the songs aren't great. It's almost like we've got an hour and a half to fill. That's we've got this poor script. Songs. So there is, and the songs are terrible. And oh. that's a that's a bit of a shame. But um, the animation is wonderful. Pretty good voice cast. Channing Tatum, James Corden, Danny DeVito uh, is wonderful okay. as always. So I would certainly recommend it uh, for, you know, kids maybe 10, 12, under. Yeah. Small foot. Uh, Mark it at 10? Six. Six out yeah. of 10. Okay. Oscars this weekend, isn't it? Sunday night. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. No, no presenter. Yeah. Is that still the still? <laughs> what are the, how are they going to get around that? Well, they just have. I presume they'll have a lot of the nominees just come uh, come up and kind of um, give the nominations of. Uh, yeah, you know. I'm just seeing one tweet coming in from the states. But with without a host, the Oscar producers are relying on at least forty presenters to carry the show. Yeah, will it be the same? Part of it is the the comedic thing. Well, the viewership uh, figures have been going down and down and down over the years, so I'm not, I don't know how many people are really that interested. I think if you kind of got somebody like Billy Crystal back again, and, and you know, and he yeah, of course was yeah, hugely yeah. successful, yeah. then I think people will switch it on to 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 watch Billy. It'll be interesting to see though what the the the, the figures are like. What's the big movie? What's going to be the big one? Is it going to be the favourite? Is it going to be? Um, do you know it? It, it could be the um, the um, the black Sorry, and white film. What's, what's oh. the black and white film called uh, from South America? Uh, Oh, I've forgotten the name of it, but you know, I think I know the everybody, everybody, and Star is Born is up there, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, I don't think Bohemian Rhapsody. I think Star is Born has got a very, very good chance, and uh, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think it's, I think you know, it's pretty even this year. I don't think there's one out and out favorite. Black Klansman. No, Black Klansman won't win it either. No, I don't okay. think so. No. All right. Okay. So, it's, uh, do you stay up and watch? No. No, I don't. I, yeah. I did before, um, but, but not, not anymore. Yeah, I'm just no, wait no, till no. the morning. You've got work the next day. Okay, no work. <laughs> All right. Listen. Thank you for that. We'll chat okay. you again next uh, Friday. That's Mark Malone. Our movie review. Tim in Horgan's building was on to say that the top broke off his walking stick. He was looking for a bit of copper to put back on the top of the stick. He went into the international trading company on the Tamore Road and asked for some copper. Man behind the counter went to so much trouble and in the end found a piece of copper that fitted perfectly gave it to him and Tony said I was ever so grateful and I said how much do I owe you for that and the man said don't worry about it it's fine uh, Tony contacted us he said I want to thank the man at the International Trading Company on the Tamore Road don't know his name says Tony but thanks to him it mightn't have been much to him but it meant the world to Tony well done and thank you Tony for that Dennis said um, oh sorry Barbara said if you go into the shop this is for the left luggage if you go into the shop and the bus station the lady will give you a card to bring over to a shop on Patrick Street where you can leave your uh, luggage and that shop holds uh, the luggage is next to Michelle Jewellers. Thank you for that. Noel traded in his UK licence at the Skibbereen Centre about a month ago. Quite a bit of paperwork involved. He said uh, for your driver's licence visit the NDLS website first. Once again congratulations Catherine O'Donovan done more in Clannacilty winning the 500 euro on the programme today with Cash Tracks. That's what I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul Mark with you for now. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.